Causing the Effect, a podcast focused on the exploration of your mind, body, and spirit. Jennifer DeVu, what is up? Hello. <laughs> How you doing over there in Ohio? Amazing. It's so beautiful right now. <laughs> so what was the um what was like the start of your journey into kind of consciousness and hypnotherapy? Because that's that's always the intriguing question for me. Like did this start recently or was this something like you kind of felt was right and you like what did that look like? Uh, it's been a long journey and I, I want to give you the, the really impactful parts. Um, I will start by saying that my whole thing is freedom, self-sovereignty, self-trust, and like trusting your intuition, trusting spirit, trusting the universe. Like that is, that is number one. And I'll tell you how I got there. Um, I had a pretty abusive mom and uh, kind of, you know, would have these violent outbursts and told me, you know, that I was a burden and she didn't really want me. And I was just a taker. And I, that caused a couple things. Um, one, I felt like the world would be better off without me. Cause obviously I was taking from people just by existing. Um, so I actually tried to take my own life a couple times pretty early on. Um, so trigger warning, you know, this is my story. I, um, was a self harmer. I did a lot of cutting and that was because it was the only thing that I felt like I could control. It was the only way for me to kind of grasp at this sense of this is a pain that I can control that no one can tell me isn't real because there was so much gaslighting going on and so much kind of invalidation. And, um, it was really my way of like, I need something. Mm-hmm. The other thing that it led to was a series of extremely codependent relationships in which I felt like, you know, my worth as a human being is what I can give to you and is based on me being exactly what you want me to be. And I have no wants and needs. My whole role is to attend to his wants and needs. Um, And so that led pretty quickly to just a series of really abusive relationships And while all of this abuse was going on, there was also this really strong spiritual part of me that remembers my past lives, always has, that has always felt this super deep connection to myself as an infinite being beyond this physical body. And for a really long time, that was just, you know, um, just for me. Right. I didn't feel like I could share that with, with other people. I felt like, you know, they were going to call me crazy or they were going to call me a witch or evil. And so that was just for me. And my process of freedom, my journey of freedom began when I actually took the leap of faith to say, I'm going to trust my intuition over what anyone else is telling me I should do. And I did, I took this ridiculous leap of faith where I pulled my, um, five-year-old out of school. I packed all my stuff into a storage unit. I quit my job. I took the money I had in savings and I moved to Columbus. I moved here to a new city where I knew one person. And I struggled so hard to make that decision because I didn't want to feel like I was running away from the abusive relationship I had been in because I knew that I tried running away 
and that doesn't work. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to face things head on and I wanted to be my best self. And it really came down to trusting in that intuition, even though it made no sense, none whatsoever. There was nothing rational or reasonable about it. But the minute that I arrived in Columbus, that one friend told me about this emotional intelligence program that I immediately signed up for, not having any clue what it was about to happen. And that program is the reason that I'm sitting here today. Because in that program, I actually learned that it is okay to trust that inner voice that says that I am here for a reason. And it is okay to distrust that voice that says that I'm just a piece of shit and I don't belong and nothing I do is good enough. Because that's just the programmed voice of my mom that still plays in the background, but I've learned not to listen to it anymore. Man, that was a great introduction. There's a lot of stuff there. Um, everybody, welcome to Cause and the Effect Show, by the way, on YouTube. How's everybody doing? That's Jennifer. I'm Scott. We know this by now. Um, so you've been in Columbus for how long now? I've been in Columbus since 2017. Okay. Because this is very, it's so funny. I'm, I'm smiling because I'm in this same situation. I'm in Brooklyn, born and raised. My mom's here. My sister's here. And I just keep, I'll go, I'll go somewhere every couple months just to like look at properties. I'm going to I don't know where yet. I don't know what the plan is. I'm just having this feeling. And similar to your story, I went through some stuff as a child. Everybody on the podcast knows, but I'll tell you quickly. My father went into the witness protection program, disappeared when I was six, and he kind of ran away. So that's always been the back of my head. Like, don't run away, Scott. You can't just run away like your dad. Don't be like your dad, right? That whole thing. But then there's the other, then there's the other side of me saying, but you're not really happy. And like, New York is horrible. I don't care what anybody says now. I'm born and raised. People are like, it's the best. You can't. It sucks now. It's terrible. Um, and it's like, what is the point of being somewhere that just feels the energies feel too high or whatever you want to call them? It's just nicer to be like, I went to Colorado last weekend. And I was like, holy shit. Like, this is what people live like in outside of New York, like just hanging out and not having to sit on a tin can train for an hour and a half. Um, and I think it sounds like what you were describing is like, there's that your soul was speaking, which is saying I had to go. But then there's like that more evolutionary science mind of just like survive here, stay here. This is safe and stay here. Is that how you, cause it sounds like you've very Buddhist of you to say, I've just accepted that thought that that will be there of, of telling me to stay somewhere, but eh, I'm still going to go with my gut. Is, am I correct? What everything I'm saying? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, we live very much right now in a, in a right, wrong paradigm. It's mm-hmm. embedded into our language. It's embedded into the way that we live and view ourselves and everything around us. And it is that, like you were saying, that primitive mind that's always looking for what's right, what's wrong, you know, is, is this good? Is this bad? And always kind of in judgment. And it's that monkey mind that just never stops. Right. Um, but there's something beyond that. There's so much intelligence and creativity and inspiration beyond that. And I, I would actually say that we don't have to judge something is better or worse or good or bad to make a different choice. We can just trust what we desire actually. And I actually completely believe that our desires are divinely placed, that the universe itself desires that thing that you feel so called to and so drawn to naturally. Now, what was, um, what was it about this emotional intelligence class that got you going? What did that make you aware of and what kind of um, teachings did you learn there? Yeah. Um, So the one I went to is here in Columbus, it's called the next level center, uh, next level trainings. And there are different centers around and it kind of, it's had many different iterations, but it's the work of transformation, right? And it's this idea that we have an authentic self that is who we are when we're little kids, who we are when we're 
you know, three or four and we're just open and we're just joyful and we're just curious and we explore and we play. And then we have all of these points of view that essentially bury us about who we should be, who we can't be, you know, what we can and can't do based on how old we are, based on our gender, based on our, you know, what other people have told us. And all of those experiences of, you know, parents leaving or treating us poorly create this system in our subconscious mind that is designed to keep us safe. And it's that voice, that inner critic that's constantly going because it's trying to protect us and it's trying to keep us from re-experiencing the hurts of the past. And so next level was about learning. They call it your rackets or the committee, right? Those voices, learning how to kind of distinguish between our authentic self and that stuff. Now, this is the issue I'm having, Jen. Now, I would, COVID was the best thing ever. I'm sorry for people who passed away and all that stuff, but I was stuck here, never been happier. And I was able to, it was so easy to quiet everything. We started, got deep into meditation. I felt like the way you were describing, this creative energy started coming through me. I started doing stand-up comedy. I don't know what, the podcast, everything. It was, it was fantastic. And then you come back to the world and you got to go into work. You got to deal with people. And this is the issue some of my fans are having as well. Like, how do I balance this? Because for me, I don't want to have to, run to a, to a top of a mountain to have the peace. I don't want to have to get away from everybody every week and, you know, go to another state or something. How do you find that balance? And is it, you know, I know new, comparing New York to, you know, Ohio is a little different, but like, is that something that you dealt with or you've seen people deal with? Like what, what comes to mind when I'm, when I'm, when I say those things. When I was in my first super serious, extremely abusive relationship I didn't see another possibility. I was so entrenched in that relationship with this narcissist who was constantly gaslighting me and telling me I was stupid and, and all of those things that I couldn't even see clearly what was happening. I couldn't see another possibility. I couldn't see that I deserve something better. I couldn't even see that as a possibility. It didn't even occur to me that I deserved to be in a relationship where I was treated with kindness was not a part of my paradigm, was nothing I'd ever experienced before. And I think when we're in that place where we're like, well, I have to balance life and I have to go to work and I have to do these things, it's because our mind is still in the box of what we believe is possible, but there are possibilities available that you just can't see. And I think that one of the greatest tools that I've learned to get out of that is to ask a question, because when you ask a question, your subconscious and the universe, which I would argue aren't separate, has to look for and bring you the answer to that question. So when you ask a question, you don't answer it. You just let it go out. It's going to bring into your awareness possibilities that you haven't been able to see before. So like, how do I get out of this job? And without trying to figure it out logically, just let the question go because there are possibilities that you can't see yet. Letting go. That is, that is a, that is a difficult uh, exercise for me. Let go. Okay. Now, now this, what we're talking about here, I feel like perception plays a huge part in all of this, even with my mindset and just being happy, right? You look at how much dollars you have and you think about how much, you know, whatever. How important was the, I guess the journey of getting to the perception level you're at now and like, how important is that layer of sensing beyond, you know, the physical world become to you? And like, how did that change your kind of cognitive awareness? Mm -hmm. Can you frame it a little bit differently? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So what, 
was the kind of the cause or what kind of work did, did you do to change that perception? Like what did your perception look like in the past and what does it look like now? And what did you take the steps to get there? Yep. So when we're kids, we're essentially walking around in hypnosis all the time. There's no filter between our conscious and our subconscious mind, which is great because it means we have access to our imagination. We have access to this incredible power of creation and exploration. Um, but it also means that we're super suggestible, right, to people's opinions and ideas. Um, as we get older, we kind of cut off parts of ourselves that don't fit in what we learn we're supposed to be. And that creates a separation between our conscious awareness and our subconscious mind. So you can be consciously thinking, I need to eat better, or I need to go to the gym, or I need to stop doing that, or I need to, right? But your actions don't always match. Have you noticed that? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's because our motivation is subconscious always. Changing the tape that's running, changing our reactions, changing our triggers, all of that is about connecting and bridging our conscious and subconscious. There are different ways of doing that. When I did it in the beginning, after I went through the training program at Next Level, I realized that believing myself was the only thing that was going to change my life. It was the only thing that was going to get me out of this negative cycles that I was stuck in. And I didn't know how. I was like, how do I believe in myself when I don't? <laughs> how do I start thinking positive about myself when I have all of this evidence built up for why I'm just mm. not good enough? And for me, it was the conscious persistence in the beginning to continue every time that negative thought would come in to negate and be like, now, nah, well, they just thought that good thing because they don't really know you or, you know, whatever that was. I had to be like, stop. I can't keep thinking this way. I can't. And just persistently changing the thought consciously. Because one of the ways that the subconscious le mind learns is through repetition. That's just one way. It's also obviously the harder way, <laughs> but that is a part of it. Even when we use the other ways to communicate with our subconscious mind, which is the part of us that has intuition, that's wise, that has all these answers that you don't have to ask anyone else for that. Mm. You actually know they're inside of you, right? The way to access that is first, you have to make that commitment and that choice of like, no, I'm changing this. Like this is changing. And when I work with clients in hypnotherapy, we use shortcuts because hypnotherapy is literally the process of communicating with the subconscious mind. And our subconscious mind communicates through emotions and visualization. It's the imagination. It's the autonomic systems of our body. So when we are going into meditation, we're essentially entering into that state where we can communicate with our subconscious. That's why we get all these inspired ideas and creativity that come through us in those states. And we can also in those states influence our subconscious mind and reprogram those thoughts through opening up a conversation between the subconscious and the conscious mind. Because everything that we're doing that's automatic pilot, our subconscious is doing it for a reason. It, it has some reason why it thinks that that's the best thing for us to do. Mm. Even if we're consciously thinking like, I have to stop doing this. <laughs> and that, that's why nobody, you can never actually change something. You want to keep saying, you keep saying, keep saying it. And then nobody changes it. The diet, the change in the job, the bad relationship, whatever that may be, you have to kind of have that relationship with yourself. It starts with a relationship with yourself. It sounds like. 
Absolutely. Because as long as it's only on that surface level, it's only the cognitive mind, it's not going to change no matter how many times you look in the mirror and say, I'm worthy. But the minute that your subconscious thought changes, it's, it's changed. It's changed. And what was your process? You started with the hypnotherapy. So I started with just positive affirmations. I started with the, just saying in the mirror, I'm worthy, I'm worthy, I'm worthy. And like consistently, persistently interrupting the automatic pilot. And then I learned hypnosis and I learned how to go deeper and how to actually talk with my subconscious mind and bring up the reasons that it had for what it was doing to bring up the reason why it kept telling me I was a piece of shit, why it felt like it had to do that. And as soon as we bring that subconscious stuff up into our awareness, that's when we can change it. That's when we can be like, oh, now that I've opened this channel of communication between my conscious and subconscious mind. I can tell my subconscious like, oh, cool. Thanks. I see why we were doing that. We don't have to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And now the, the shadow work, because I know you're, you're a proponent of that as well. Is that more of a side-by-side um, work to do with the hypnosis or is that an actual part of hypnosis? I would call all of this shadow work because to me, shadow work is any time that we are looking within from a place of curiosity and allowance rather than judgment. Shadow work is the integrating of all of the parts of us that we've rejected and suppressed and denied and judged and seeing how they actually contribute to us and embracing them and bringing them into the light of our consciousness. Yeah. When you talk to people about this, it sounds um, relatively easy. And, but for me, it's been like one of the hardest things to do. Every time I get deep into some Carl Jung shadow work, it's just like Jesus Christmas. There's a lot to deal with on in here. And I always end up kind of pushing away from it. Did you have a similar experience when you started? I honestly have been really blessed to always enjoy the darkness. I enjoy the depths. I enjoy the fact that we're capable of such intense emotions. There's something, there's something almost self-gratifying. There's something almost pleasurable, almost erotic about feeling the depths of emotion we're capable of. Mm. And I think that that doesn't open up until we get just beyond that layer of judgment, that part of our mind that's like, you're wrong. If we can get just beyond that, then it opens up this like wellspring of receiving everything. Now, if somebody wanted to do this and start somewhere, would you suggest we start with the Tune Into You, your podcast? Yeah. Is that, is that Because I know it's meditation, but it's, it's a mixture of it's like a, a quasi meditation hypnotherapy style. It sounds like. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. That's, that's what Definitely. I was digging. Yeah. I, I listened to a couple, but I need like two, three weeks of just hearing you in my head to like, just start, um, start vibing. But now like, as far as the episodes and the values, like, what are you trying? What, what is the overarching vision for your mm-hmm. kind of mission here? Cause I know we all, we all have something, right? Mm-hmm. I've mentioned, uh, I've touched on a couple points already. So it's called tune into you. Because as I said, all of our answers are within us. And when we connect really deeply within ourselves, that's where all of that comes forth. All of the wisdom that you need to direct your life in the most beautiful way is already there. It's the desire of the universe coming through. But that connecting, connecting deeply to ourselves, that level of self-awareness comes when we can go into 
and explore those places within us. And that's the whole point of the meditation podcast. So the whole point of each episode is about diving into your own psyche from this place of love and curiosity and allowance so that you can bring conscious awareness to things that maybe previously were hidden from you. That's, that sounds awesome. I can't wait to dive deeper into this. Now, now the, the balance, the issue I have, or at least it's, I'm like a good doer or a good balancer. I'm like one or the other. It's hard for me to, to be calm and take massive action, right? Those two issues. It's like, I'm very linear. I just want to either meditate every day or I want to take action. How do you find that balance? And was this something that you dealt with? Is this something that you kind of hear your clients dealing with? What does that look like to you? That, that yin and yang, that balance of being and doing and having the peace, but also being able to take action. Yeah. Um, I definitely don't see peace and action as opposed to one another. Um, I think that, you know, when we, when we think of peace, sometimes we think of like, you know, sitting still, right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, when I think of peace, I think of that expansive open feeling that I get in my chest when I, things just feel like they're flowing. And it's most of the action that I take comes from that place. It comes from that place of like, I'm just so into what I'm doing that I'm not even like, there's no force to it. I'm not trying to make myself do something. I'm just like, Oh, I really want to work on this right now. No, I get it. And that's, it's so hard being in flow and then coming out of it. Cause it's, you know, it's just been, it's been a tough year, whatever. And, um, I think people coming back to this world now, it's just like, well, now I've been getting this email. I'm overthinking a lot. I'm overthinking because I think you go from that flow state to that overthinking state. And that's just kind of, that seizes you up a little bit. I think the proponent of that for me, at least was judgment, um, you know, questioning yourself and judging. Um, it sounds like this meditation and tuning to podcasts could certainly help with that. Cause that's, I, I just, it was fine when I knew there wasn't another option. I was judging myself the whole time. But then when you start going to flow. I'm like, shit, I keep, I'm like, keep chasing that feeling. Yeah. And we overthink because we, there's a part of our mind that thinks that we need that. Yeah. That sincerely believes that something bad is going to happen if we let it go. And that belief is tends to be unconscious, but it's like when we can explore that and bring it into our consciousness, then we can change that. We can let it go and we can actually see like, Oh, I don't need this. It is safe to let go of these thoughts. How how do you get out of your own way? By knowing yourself. And really like the piece we keep getting to is that judgment piece. And it's just really getting beyond judgment and allowing is where we have choice. Because judgment just locks us into, this is what I have to choose. This is what I can't choose. But when we let that go, we we can choose anything. How did this play out for you when you went from being um, outside of Columbus? I feel like for me, when I go somewhere else, there's something freeing about it with the people that nobody knows you. I'm not being told who I am in a way. It's like, I'm not in this box. Is that kind of what happened with Columbus, knowing the one person? Because that sounds, if you told me go somewhere, nobody knows you, that sounds... Sounds fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. There's actually tricks in hypnotherapy that talk about, you know, we, we form um, subconscious associations with even our furniture, the way it's placed. If you want to change your mental patterns, move the furniture around. Like it can be that simple. Like just changing our environment actually does change the way that we think, the way that we are viewing our lives. 
Now this, um, it sounds like you've just innately, we haven't even spoken about the present moment and getting to that eternal, but I'm sure that's something that you focus on being a meditator. Um, are you fully in the present moment all time? You're not worrying about the past, not worrying about the future. And, and was for me, it's been meditation has just helped me kind of get clear on my purpose. Um, big, you know, Eckhart Tolle and, you know, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, has that been a similar process for you? Absolutely. And I've done that actually more this past year, probably than ever before, where I've, I've definitely made changed a lot of my goal setting to be way more journey focused and way less destination focused. So like my goals for this year have everything to do with the quality of my experience as I'm doing things versus what is going to get me in the future. Yes. Yes. That's my top goal that I'm failing miserably was just the quality of my consciousness that that's it. Um, having the highest possible quality of, of, of consciousness. Um, how would you guide me to, to get better at just watching myself and doing the quality of consciousness? Because for me, it's like when I'm on, I'm on. Every day, meditate an hour and a half, this, that, blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, this, this year, somebody get ca- gets cancer, this, you know, family stuff, and then you're running around. It's a lot of different stuff. How, do you, how would you coach me in that situation? So it is interesting how sometimes we compartmentalize meditation and make it something that we only do you know, when we're sitting with our eyes closed, I practice active meditation every day. So while I'm doing things, talking to people, you know, driving, doing the dishes, I'm also, can I stop my thoughts for a moment? How present can I be with my sensory experience in this moment? And integrating that more and more with just the way that I live allows me that I can be triggered by something Like someone says something and I take, you know, there's a part of me that's like, that's personal. And that means something about you. And I can see that happening and feel the response in my body. And at the exact same time, have this peace and have this inner wisdom. That's like, you know, that that's not about you. Mm. And I can have both at the same time. And having that almost like distance from the triggered self allows me to choose how I respond rather than just reacting in the moment. So it's not so much that when you do this, because this is the same issue I've had. I've, I've been probably heavily meditating like five, six years now. It's like I'm able to catch and I see it. And I would say react my I didn't realize like how judgmental I am, like and, how, and reacting to people on the train and this and then you see it. And now I realize, well, there, there's something I'm you know rejecting myself there or this or that. But like that, making that distance, it's not so much that that reaction is going to change. It's that piece that sounds like you master, like distancing yourself from that and being the true version of an, of an observer of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And that's part of shadow work is holding that self that's triggered as if, as if it's the inner child and you're holding them and they're crying because they feel like something bad is happening. And you're like, it's okay. I'm here. What, what other shadow work did you dive into? Anything call young involved? I have studied a, a bit of Carl Jung and I definitely like, I'm, I'm one of those people. I just like, I yeah. absorb everything. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. For me, it was when you start journaling, like it was, I, and I know there's something with the journaling. Cause I really don't like it. It's like when you start seeing what pops up randomly, I was like, Jesus I Christ. Tell you. Right. <laughs> it's literally, literally an idiomotor response. It's literally your subconscious mind. That's connecting why. to your conscious mind. Yeah, it's just the journalist issue. Meditate, chill, I chill with this writing down. And then, you know, Young suggested, you know, take this event in your life and then you just start seeing what pops out. And I, I like zoned out for like 10 minutes. I was like, holy shit, what 
what is going on here? Like, it's very, yeah, this connection, I, I feel like we're, we're at this like point in time where people 50 years from now are going to be like, wow, we didn't realize like how important the subconscious mind was a consciousness or the shadow. Like all of this stuff is, is heavily needed as we see the world, the material world and the world outside, like just kind of fall apart in a way. <laughs> right. It's, um, it's, it's, very, it's very, very interesting. Like, how do you find the balance of being somebody who's, you know, in the spiritual world, let's say we're a little woo woo and then dealing with no, the normal people. Like, is, is that, are you, cause for me, it's, it's a, still a little hard to talk about spirituality and this going from the kid from Brooklyn who's Italian and tough guy, and then turning that switch. How was that for you? Or did you just not give a fuck now? No, it's been a journey. I have only, I would say in the last few years, really, really started to own my spirituality and, and the fact that so much of what I teach has come from past lives that I can't, I don't have a certificate because I learned it 5,000 years ago. <laughs> and, like, and I got to a point where I really had to be honest with myself about what I desire. And the thing that I desire most in this life is to be all of me. And because that is more important to me than any of the other stuff, I kind of have to, like, I just, I have, because it's who I am. Choice. Yeah. If you're not, then it'll create that incongruency that I felt. I felt for many years. Now th that you mentioned something heavy with your mother, and I would say I've had a tough go at it with my mom, and there's definitely things there. Like how much, how much luggage did your mom kind of leave you to deal with from that abusive relationship? it took me years to even acknowledge that I was abused because it was so ingrained in me that it was just my fault and I just deserved it. Mm -hmm. And there's of course still places where I'll notice myself get triggered by something. And I see like, mm, I see where that, where that came from. Yep. That's a familiar feeling. And again, it's like, I'm literally imagine that I'm holding my inner child and she's, crying and I can feel her and be her. And at the same time, be the peace of my infinite being holding her saying it's okay. Yeah. That, that my mother just, um, her big thing still to this day, she, she's going to listen. Ma, you listen. Sorry. Deal with it. Her big thing was like, just don't make anybody treat you like a jerk off. Like, don't be, don't get taken advantage of. So that's like pretty much like every first time I meet someone, like, where's the angle here? Where are they trying to, to get me? But if I'm taking the, the Jennifer DeVoe approach, DeVoe, um, it would be, that's there. That's the inner child. And just be inside. You, you really do have like a lot of awareness because this is, this is probably you're dealing with this all day. Certain things pop up saying, okay, this is how you were kind of conditioned. This is the way the subconscious is. We're not trying to change this, but as the observer, we are here to give that inner child or whatever you want to call that person a hug and be able to, to have this inner dialogue with it. Man, this is good stuff. I'm going to try this out. This is this is cool. So, so you're not and I like that you're not trying to say we're going to change you and we're going to fix it. You're going to never feel that again. You're saying, no, 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 that's good. That's staying. Am I right in saying that that this is going to stay? It's how to kind of cope with that on a deeper level subconscious level yeah it's like if nothing was right and nothing was wrong what would you choose jesus christ <laughs> nothing was right and nothing was wrong 
in, in emotional feelings or like in, in an activity or anything? All of it. I would choose compassion. I would choose love. I would choose taking chances. I would choose everything I'm not scared of, honestly. For me, it's like I can choose anything in the moment that's a contribution, even if it's like the wrong choice, because I'm not locking myself out of any of those choices by judging. So like I can choose to let the let myself cry because it's not wrong either. I I had an experience. I was working on this, this idea of being an allowance and getting out of judgment of myself. And one day I was feeling kind of yucky. I was feeling kind of like funky. And I was like, Oh, I don't feel the best right now. Like I don't feel like fully myself. And I started to judge that. And I started to be like, Oh, if I'm really this great spiritual teacher, then I should feel happy all the time. And then I was like, wait, but nothing's right. Nothing's wrong. So I could choose to change this or I could choose to sit in it. (laughs) And in that moment, I was like, I'm a sit in it. (laughs) And I literally sat on the couch and was like, I feel funky. Mm." And it was like the whole quality of that experience changed because I wasn't judging it. It was just a choice. And it was like any second I could choose something else because I wasn't judging it. It's when we judge something, then it's like, we can't, I'm going to have to fix it. And then it's like, it won't change. Because it sounds like you've like removed yourself from the whole black and white world, the right and wrong. You're like, but, but, but you've done that through the working on the subconscious and being able to you know, moving it out. Everything you're saying sounds simple, but it's obviously not because this is the stuff we're kind of dealing with every day. Wow. That is very cool. Now, is this what you talk about in the new book at all? Come yes. On. Okay. You could say it because I know it's an F word. I'm not going to cuss. Fuck, fuck, <laughs> fuck. I'm kidding. What is the name? <laughs> <laughs> what is the name of yeah. So the book I, I have coming out uh, is called Everything is Fucking Energy. Everything is Fucking Energy. I like that. And it is about getting out of the right wrong paradigm and getting into the place where you have total choice, total freedom, total allowance and creation and play with the universe, which is what we're here for. Was that your first book? It is. How difficult was it to write? It's flowing. Like it is just flowing. And it's because I made the commitment to myself that I wasn't going to force it was going to come through or it wasn't going to come through. No attachment. And, and it's just flow. Damn, man. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to have Jennifer's going to come back on. Mark this down, everybody. This is happening in May, six months. And I'm going to try to be as detached from this whole world that then Jen is. That's going to be uh, my promise to you. How's that sound? It's gonna, I'm just going to use. Okay. I'm going to. So with your podcast, because I'm going to still do my meditation. Should I do? Because I feel like if I start off my day with your podcast, it would probably make my like just my own meditation way better. Cause I'm going to be even more released. Was that what you suggest or doing it after my meditation? Yeah. Um, so the first thing in the morning and last thing at night, as we're waking up and as we're falling asleep, we actually naturally pass through the stage of hypnosis. So it's a time that we're the most kind of receptive mm-hmm. to communicating with the subconscious. So those are some of the best times to, that's why they say that's when you should meditate. Yeah. yeah. No, that sounds good. Jennifer, thank you so much uh, for joining me. Everybody, please listen. Um, I'm going to take this journey with me. We're going to do this. We're going to do like a check-in episode, so it'll be fun. Um, and we can find all the links in the notes below. Jennifer, thank you so much. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. Everybody on YouTube, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, do me a favor. Click that like button, uh, whatever that whole thing is. Leave a review, subscribe, all that stuff. For, for people listening that have been with us for many years, thank you guys so much for all the support as always. Um, that's it. Stay safe. Stay positive. Stay blessed. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>